Jericho Comedy Podcast. We're an award-winning comedy club based in Oxford, and this podcast is a way for us to connect our lovely audiences with some of our amazing acts. I'm Connor McReynolds. Today I'm chatting to one of my favorite comedians, local legend, Chelsea Birkby. Chelsea is a Jericho Comedy regular. You'll have seen her at our Oxfordshire Mind Galas and at any number of Jericho Comedy gigs where she regularly hosts and performs her brilliant material. Chelsea's been a finalist in the prestigious So You Think You're Funny competition, and she was runner-up in the Bath Comedy Festival New Act competition. Her comedy's also seen her become a trustee of our fantastic charity partner, Oxfordshire Mind. Later, we'll treat you to a little clip of Chelsea performing live at Jericho Comedy, but right now, let's get straight to it. Here is the supremely talented Chelsea Birkby. All right, I am joined right now by Mr. Saturday Night himself, Alex Farrow. Hello, Alex Farrow. Hello, baby. Hello, and we're very fortunate to be joined by local legend Chelsea Birkby. Hello. <laughs> Hello, local legend Chelsea Birkby. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Oh, I'm all right, thank you. It's so lovely to be speaking to the both of you. Thank you. How are you, Alex? I- I'm good. And how are you, Chelsea? <laughs> yeah, still good. <laughs> this is like the end of a Brady Bunch episode. Good night, John Boy. <laughs> uh, guys, I'm I'm reliably informed. Well, you guys, just to set the scene, you guys are in Oxford's premier comedy house. You guys yes. are in lockdown with uh, the two of you and uh, other local legends, Sarah Mann and Alex Green. Sorry, and do you refer to other comedians as local legends? I thought I this just, was just... That, that was so... I don't know why I did it. It was a panic move. I've never, <laughs> ever called anyone else a local legend. And But they, here we they are. are but They're I'm very much the, the, the queen of hearts and jack of hearts to your king of hearts, Chelsea. Thank you. If we take away all the gender connotations from that, gen- gender's a construct. Why am I digging this hole <laughs> deeper than it needs to be dug? <laughs> <laughs> but you guys, you're in the house and Sarah Mann right now is having a rehearsal with her, her ska band. Yep. They so are you, you have a wonderful music. soundtrack to this. Yep. If you hear in the background people shouting, lip up fatty, that is ska music and not usual household chat. <laughs> <laughs> not a comment on how anybody is put on the lockdown five. And if uh, you hear anything incredibly low and the walls are shaking, that's just Alex Green talking. <laughs> <laughs> well, how how has the Comedy House been during lockdown? Is it as fun as it sounds? It is really good. It's superb. We've gone through a lot of different stages of lockdown. Like there was one point when me and Sarah opened up um, a, a, an art gallery for everybody online. Do you remember what it was called? It was... So realism, a very normal art gallery. And we took people on a tour of the art around our house and everyone had to wear top half, like fancy evening wear and bottom half pajamas. And, it was- <laughs> and some of the context of the art galleries, we're, we're living in what I kind of describe as an abandoned house. Essentially, um, we're <laughs> legally, I suppose, is important to um, mention living in somebody's house with all their stuff still in it. Um, she was a very eccentric lady and has left what can only be described as, well, I think part of the game is it's very hard to describe what some of this <laughs> shit is. It's very weird. Alex Green described it as it's like grandma's house, but she's never coming back. Um, 
it, it is really that nice. Sounds to like live a in. really sad children's book. Yeah. Grandma's Although there's, there out. are very sad children's books here. There's um, what's its name? Is it Straw Peter? Yeah, the Straw Peter. There's this really creepy book of like it's like German fairy tales, but they're all warnings. They're like morality tales, but it's like if you don't brush your hair, you will set on fire and die. And they all end with like you get getting on fire and dying. Classic Germany. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, this, Germany. We're only joking. We we have nothing but respect of, for you. This book of scary fairy tales seems to sort of appear in each of our rooms without us moving it around. <laughs> it genuinely that did happen. <laughs> One of you is brilliant at pranks. I do, I, I suspect this is Alex Green. <laughs> no, but it's too scared. I don't think it is because it was before. Was it before he lived here that we found it? I don't know, but it, it's not pleasant. Okay, that does sound scary. I mean, you see some films where it's like there's a demon living in the attic, and yours is just Straw Peter appearing at night and moving around his autobiography. Sounds creepy and fun. Really creepy. I'll send you a picture, and I if listeners that. want to see it, I can send them a picture. We'll we'll tweet it out. <laughs> we'll put the picture in the episode description. Chelsea, <laughs> you've entered the the brave new world of kind of online and drive-in performances. How have you been finding lockdown comedy? I've really enjoyed drive-in gigs. They've mm-hmm. been so much fun. Like the ones the ones that Jericho have been doing at, at Toad in the car park have been really fun but the funny thing is across the road is the warnford the psychiatric hospital which i was in about four years ago oh, and wow. i just feel like imagine if i could see into the future and if i said to them well like don't worry because in four years time i'm going to be doing fine and i'm going to be across the road on a platform in a gin distillery and i'm going to be talking to cars and <laughs> and i'm going to be doing that because of a global pandemic caused by a bat <laughs> they'd be like increase her medication <laughs> That's extraordinary. I I wasn't aware. Was that something you were thinking of when you were on stage? Like, uh, I it is really strange that it is just across across the road because I went for when I was at Warnford, I went for a walk around South Park when mm. it was kind of like a, oh god, yeah, it was a bad time. And it's funny thinking now, like, oh, now I'm having a great time at South Park talking to cars. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, which isn't as weird as it sounds, uh, no. as you've said. Well, Chelsea, you you sort of touched on that, and I guess uh, I was going to talk to you about it later on, but it's come up quite naturally now. Your comedy, you talk so brilliantly about your experiences of mental health, and it's led to you uh, becoming a trustee of our lovely charity partner, Oxfordshire Mind. Could yeah. you tell us how that came to pass? Yeah, that came about because I was doing um, Jericho Comedies gala for Oxfordshire Mind a few was it like three years ago mm-hmm. and in the the final room of the many rooms that day what were their five gigs that day which um <laughs> yeah it was it was incredible and it's, it was it's a it mad was... sounding gig yeah you'd you, five gigs Alex remind us it was one in the Jericho Cafe yeah I just kept putting them on yeah <laughs> yes it was my fault yes Alex Alex is like why book one venue when we can book six um but yeah well actually this one was five but um only five wow just uh yeah the Jericho Cafe the Jericho Tavern and all of the rooms of the um old fire station and it was such a mad lineup Chelsea you were you were sort of in the mini tour the way it worked was kind of comedians paired up and went around the three rooms and you were paired up with james acaster that day which was incredible um he's 
one of my absolute favorite comedians and then to like open for him five times and four of those <laughs> four of them went really well for me and one of them didn't and I think James kind of I call him James G Jimmy hadn't really like caught the caught all of them but this one the one where it went badly he did and as I was leaving stage I was like oh I hope he didn't see but I was walking towards the exit door it was a little like fire door and it had a little pain and he was just looking through it and he gave me the saddest like thumbs up oh no I guess that's why they call it window pain. <laughs> <laughs> that's actually an Eminem joke. <laughs> I don't think Eminem calls some jokes. <laughs> I'm going to spit some jokes. <laughs> but Chelsea, um, sorry, you were performing at that uh, 2018 gala. And... Yes. And yes. then the final room had the CEO of Oxfordshire mind in, and he liked me. Um, and he come, came and spoke to me afterwards because my set, a lot of the stuff I spoke about was about mental illness and having mm -hmm. bipolar disorder, um, which, oh, I was just weighing up whether I should do my joke about it. And I, I like it. I think you should go for it. <laughs> <laughs> well, bipolar disorder, for anyone who doesn't know, is what <laughs> is what they used to call manic depression. So it's where you have periods of depression where you're like, my soul is rotting and it's not good work chat. Um, <laughs> and you also have periods of mania or hypermania, which is where you think, I am the life and soul of this party, but everyone else thinks, did she just karate chop that light stand? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I did. And Alex was miming that as I did that. <laughs> There's nothing more devastating than when people do your punchlines, like, but you're like, is this bullying or is this support? <laughs> but yeah, because of that, because of talking about mental illness, um, they were looking for more trustees and they um, have previously had like an older group of trustees which is incredible because a lot of people on the board have been there for about 20 years which wow. is such a sign of it's their dedication and the health of the charity and that they still want to be taking part but they one of their objectives is they want to reach out to younger people and so it was a a good match and they asked me to interview and now I've been a trustee since then that's so brilliant and and obviously Alex uh, I mean since Jericho has kind of been running as a comedy club or since you and Harry have been running it together. Uh, it, was it from the very beginning that we sort of partnered with Oxfordshire Mind? Yeah, yeah. first gig. It was, uh, I think, uh, £2 entry yeah. uh, with all the, the, yeah, with that going to Mind. What a £50 <laughs> that <laughs> was for the charity. <laughs> but yeah, it was a, a very small uh, cover fee, door fee, um, and that would have been done, I think it, uh, well, whether, well, whether we start Jericho Comedy officially from that first gig in the cafe or whether, because the partnership with Oxford of Mind started when Harry and I were doing gigs in colleges in, oh, in Oxford. Okay. So that, the partnership uh, starts a bit before then. I mean, the partnership starts before Oxford of Mind knew about it. <laughs> so we were <laughs> yeah. like, we, never, we, we didn't tell them we were doing it. We were raising money for them until, I don't know. Until you took until a check we, over, a giant check. Took a giant <laughs> check over. <laughs> Just and we up. all know that the bigger the check, the more it's worth. That's the one. <laughs> <laughs> well, what made you guys decide on Oxfordshire Mind as a thing rather than kind of running it for profit, which, you know, you could have done? Um, well, I had loads of reasons. I wonder whether Harry would give different reasons. Um, I think every comedian's got their own 
like personal interest in mental health. I think all modern stand-up requires a lot of introspection. And, you know, if you spend enough time looking inwards, you know, of course you're going to be interested in mental illness, mental health. And so we thought one that would be a really interesting um, charity to raise for, one that would definitely appeal to comedians uh, mm-hmm. so broadly. And I think it's, yeah, you know, I think it's a good thing to do. I feel, I wish I had a better, I know when everybody asks, um, why do you raise for a charity? The normal answer to give is like your personal struggle. So if it's a cancer charity, it's always your personal struggle with it. Mm-hmm. I'm in this awkward position. I get asked this a lot. I've never had any formal help with uh, uh, my mental health in any way. Um, mm-hmm. And so I don't really, I don't have that coming to the sort of the charity story. And I also sometimes get a rather annoying question. Also, why do you do, you know, why do you do it for charity? Why not, you know, why not do it for profit? I get that from audience members sometimes as though like, almost I couldn't be doing it any other way or that like in some way it's, I call it, I've probably mentioned this before. I call it the charity cake bake yeah, uh, effect. Yeah. Where, like people see something it's like for charity and they're like, Oh, well, I guess it's in some way worse than if it's like not, mm. you, you know, if you go in a, you know, if somebody's like, Oh, would you like this delicious cake? You might be like, yeah, I, do you know what? I'd love a delicious cake. But if you're like some school children have made it for charity, you'd be like, Hmm. I don't know where their fingers have been. Um, like, I don't know. I think it puts, it, it's a mixture. Actually. I think one of the reasons we've got such a nice audience is that uh, the charity aspect uh, really attracts uh, a really wonderfully lovely, like crowd and an audience. Yeah. Um, but yeah, occasionally I do get that question, like in a, with the implication being somewhat negative, you know, a bit like, Oh, so like, sure. why do you do it for charity? I think it's but, um, worth kind of saying and worth reminding the listener that there there may be some people who think of it in that way that you say, like the charity bake sale type thing, where it's maybe got some connotations of amateurness or whatever. But the the awards that Jericho's won in recent years have been purely about the quality of the comedy night. And recently, as Chelsea said, with these like driving gigs and outdoor gigs we've been running, Acts have been like so thrilled with how they've gone because we we put on really quality nights. Um, Chelsea, what what makes what in your opinion? Because you've gigged all over the place. You've gigged at some of the biggest comedy clubs in the UK. Um, but what is it about Jericho comedy that that you think kind of sets the club apart from other nights? What do we get right that others maybe don't do as well? Well, I really love I really love Jericho. And when we're in like right in the middle of lockdown, like peak lockdown, I was thinking like what I really want is to have have Jericho comedy on and be like emceeing Common Ground or something, have a great evening with amazing comics and then go to the pub after. And that's that's not the best thing about Jericho comedy, but it is a great thing that you invite the audience to the pub afterwards. I think that's yeah. so nice because it can feel so it's kind of a sometimes it can feel like a trick stand-up because you're watching people on stage and you kind of bond with them and it is parasocial because they're talking to a room of 50 people but you feel Mm -hmm. like you know them and it's really strange when that's just switched off so it's nice in the pub afterwards if you can just even if you don't chat to the comics or or the audience from whichever side you're on it's nice they're just around and you're like oh this is real they're real people i think that's a really lovely part of it and it's not just about going to the pub although i i love the pub um (laughs) i love the drinks you get in the pub i'm not doing a bit i'm just (laughs) talking about my feelings (laughs) um but that i think that's a that's like 
emblematic. That's a word, isn't it? Yeah. That's oh, yeah. emblematic of um of the night because it really treats acts like they're like they're people. Like you make sure the acts are having a nice time, but it also treats the audience like they're there as individuals. They're not just like they're yeah, there on a night yeah. out. Like they're not just there for their like two hours of entertainment. It's like you've chosen to come to us for an evening, and let's have an evening genuinely together. Yeah. I think it's so nice and and intimate i mean especially where the cafe is such it's you know it's an unusual gig space but it does feel really intimate and acts who are doing big rooms across the country regularly they still love the cafe and i think i think that's why yeah 100% it's it's such a special place for comedy and alex i mean you've got very uh, practical reasons why you think the cafe is such an ideal space for comedy in terms of like the the low ceiling and that kind of thing. Oh yeah, yeah. I, you know what, I could. I feel. I almost feel embarrassed actually talking about like the the nerdy physics of what makes a good comedy space. Go uh, on, yeah. do it. I don't know. Well, the cafe is so good in the sense that it's so like hidden um, that you go into it and you've got this sort of upstairs space, which you know it's like a I don't know a, a nice like pretty cool French cafe. And then you sort of descend into the basement and it's got all like the old kind of signals for what like a like a cool comedy club should be, like the bare brick wall. Yeah, it's very like New York. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's obviously like, and it's a transformation from what the space normally looks like as well. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's, you really feel like you've... Uh, it feels like you've discovered a little kind of hidden gem. I think the, I see people's faces when they come down and they're like surprised. Sometimes they've had like a sandwich there earlier in the day or like <laughs> it's got one of those sort of like Alice in Wonderland vibes to it, hasn't it? Where like you go down the keyhole and it's like, oh, what? in this tiny upstairs room, then you go down to the bigger basement and you're like, oh, there's a there's a whole different thing down here. You know, somebody's having a croque monsieur upstairs. <laughs> I think that so adds to it because it's like when you, I don't, when you go to the theatre, I don't really go to the theatre very often, but like the things you're seeing aren't real, you know, like what's, but that's the joy of the theatre. Like everybody is collectively believing in something and that's what makes it the experience. And I think that's kind yeah. of recreated in the cafe. Like everyone together is having an evening together and they're all like the space is transformed around them from a cafe to a comedy club. I think yeah. audience members feel really fond of it as well. And that's why actually I've seen it's like usual for acts to insult the room they're in in kind of a jokey way. But I've seen that get bad reactions at the cafe. And I think it's because people <laughs> feel like, well, hey, we come here, like we come here every yeah. month and we love it. And Lay don't off insult, our like, venue. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> and I actually haven't noticed that at other places. I think that's quite sweet. And that's one of the true. really sweet things about it is obviously, you know, we've all had to do this ourselves like enough, but it needs so much heavy lifting to move. <laughs> like, oh good Lord, God. I don't know where they got that bench from, but it's, it's clearly was like <laughs> wedging a medieval church door shut when the Vikings were coming. Mr. Saturday Night tackle that bench solo. I've never yeah. been able to do that. And I'm a chunky guy, but Alex Farrow, you're like Superman lifting it above your head. Oh, well, it's, it's very nice to hear. But the nicer <laughs> thing than that is often when uh, like audience members will arrive early and everyone's always like, uh, do you want to hand moving that? Or like, can I help? Mm-hmm. Often my first interaction with an audience member is like, can I help? 
And it's like, I don't know, maybe that's a horrible sign of raising money for mental health charities. I don't know. <laughs> but, um, uh, but yeah, what a wonderful thing to first hear from somebody. Oh, yeah. Can I help? It's a great it, crowd we get in. It really is special. Um, I think all, all three of us and Harry as well, of course, and, uh, you know, other great comedians like Matt Hobbs and Dan Squire and Alex Green, Sarah Mann, you know, all our lovely local acts. I think we all feel very, very lucky that, that Jericho's our, our local gig and that we have such lovely venues like the cafe, like Common Ground, like the Jericho Tavern and Toad and all these wonderful places. Chelsea, I want to talk to you about um, the the kind of the cancellation of the Edinburgh Fringe, because obviously this year you were going to bring up your debut hour, uh, Sexistentialism. Well, it- existentialism well it's going to be a what well i kind of chickened out i think it was going to be 45 minutes but we'll never know (laughs) (laughs) well tell us i mean i guess first of all before we even go into what it was about and what is sort of a you've touched on mental health but what other topics are kind of classic berkby material sexual shame (laughs) (laughs) but do you think your your plan is going to be the same for next year I actually really don't think so. So the show Sexistentialism was about sexual shame and that was it mostly. (laughs) That was also (laughs) about kind of about existentialism because I love I love Sartre, I love Mm -hmm. Simone de Beauvoir, and I've been really influenced by them. But it's less wanky than it sounds because (laughs) it really is about the joke. Like I really I actually sorry, I'm getting tongue tied, but I don't really talk about the philosophy that much in it if you recall the well no, my my take on it is always the big difference between the two of us i reckon we probably have very similar levels of like philosophy content in it but like whereas you will call your show sexistentialism and then you know you mentioned sartre and simone de beauvoir maybe like twice i will call it philosophy a level and, and like <laughs> use every opportunity possible to like telegraph like what it's about which you know serves its own like comedic tools and my way we just got different styles of it i think there's yeah i always like to smuggle it like smuggle it in i i wonder if that's because like my family don't i think it's just where i'm a bit different from my family and like i was the first one to to go to university and also did philosophy and they were like what's philosophy so i think i if i mention that it's philosophy if i start doing that they kind of tune out a little bit whereas if i just Mm. say the interesting thing and hide the philosophy i think it's kind of developed from that that's really interesting that's really interesting um, and what about um i mean you mentioned whereas i was the... the last of my family to go to university <laughs> <laughs> in complete decline no but this is actually this is a huge difference between alex and i that we joke about because alex just sounds academic in everything you, everything will you, will you, you say will you say this i can't possibly no it's true because the other day uh, <laughs> alex quoted emperor palpatine and i was like well i'm sorry i just don't know history (laughs) (laughs) i think if anyone else did that i might have gathered from the context but i don't know but you just make it seem academic and this is why we have this like principle that well okay well you should explain it well it's lord oh oh my word do you not want to i I can do i mean it's it's lord northholt's rule right lord northholt's rule is the idea i was just about to say but go on i'll let you take this one (laughs) It's the idea that if in the social sciences and philosophy, if you give something a uh, sort of 19th century century sounding name, 
it'll be far more convincing to whoever you're talking to. Um, for example, Lord Northolt's rule is something I've just entirely made up. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I believe the principle is true. But um, yeah, sometimes I riff different names for it and stuff like that. Um, I, did, I was going to do a version of it at the uh, Thunder and Lightning show, um, but then it, we sort of ran out of time. But uh, I do think it's... Uh, Chelsea does point out something that's probably some element of truth in it that like i don't know but i think people presume that i know what i'm doing when i'm talking on stage maybe that's too much of a presumption i think if there's any ambiguity in what i'm saying i, I tend to be lucky in that people presume that i know what i'm doing although that can actually be a real disadvantage whereas for me i've had people explain my punchlines back Ugh. to me because i, oh, I can't, God. Yeah, i'm not sure what that's about but so the show was a lot about pop culture and drinking it had a, it had just as much about Kim Kardashian as it did Jean-Paul Sartre mm-hmm. um and I I really loved it I feel like it was getting there but whether it would be the same when we come back I don't think so I think it would just be a different time of my life and things I think it would just have evolved so I don't yeah. think that show as it was will exist but I think that's okay. It wasn't the finished package yet because it was March when everything shut down yeah, and obviously yeah. August is the fringe. So it still had months of like work in progress to go through. So I feel like it wasn't complete. So it's not like I had this complete show that would never be released. It would just keep keep changing. Yeah, it'll keep evolving. It'll become something else. I mean, what draws you to to these areas? You've obviously mentioned your philosophy studies, um, but why are you drawn to areas like sexual shame, mental health, Kim Kardashian, like what is it about these things that you like to to talk about? I think, well, I, I enjoy all those things, but why do I talk about them in stand-up? I think, and maybe this will get too like psychotherapy, but <laughs> I think it's because I, I think I do stand-up, like people do it for all different reasons. But I think the reason I do it is it's like because I want to express myself. And I had this revelation in lockdown when I found an autobiography I'd done in year seven. Oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah, I I think it was commissioned by the school. Everyone did it. It wasn't just like, (laughs) I need to document my first 12 years. Um, But it's like loads of it's weirdly in a similar voice. you You can tell it's me, which is kind of surprising because you think of your 12 year old self as so, so different. But uh, I just think there's always been like like wanting to get my view of things across, especially things that matter to me and especially things that matter to me, but I don't think other people think matter that much. So like Kim mm. Kardashian, I feel really like, no, this is important and here's why. It's almost like it's defensive and it's like, oh, now I can have my chance to explain it. That, but funny. <laughs> <laughs> For you, it seems like it's, you write a bit, differently because I I start with like what I what matters to me and what I feel like oh this is important to me like let's say class and then I'll think about that for ages and read books about it and then then after that I'll get my argument together and then after that comes the jokes it's kind of that way I don't really start with the funny thing um but is that the same for you oh my god I I don't even know to be honest like the things that I tend to write about um It's interesting. We've had this conversation or a few of these conversations uh, amongst ourselves and I've been lucky enough doing this podcast. We've spoken to people about what they write about and what they like to write about. Um, 
And I really admire comedians like you, like both of you, in fact, who are writing about the things that really, really matter to them. And I sort of feel like a lot of the writing I've done is probably just like getting stuff out of the way that I kind of think I need to address with audiences. Like, I think mm. when there's any element of difference, so, you know, I'm Irish over here, which is kind of a point of difference Wait. in a way that it, I know I've never mentioned it before. <laughs> are, you, are you not Irish somewhere else? What's going <laughs> well, no, no. I mean, I, I spoke about this very briefly at one of our stand up philosophy shows uh, about nationalism, where like being Irish over here is a point of difference. Like audiences will see me here and they might say something about the Irish comedian that they saw earlier that night. Whereas in Ireland, like that doesn't narrow it down. And so I wouldn't talk about mm. Irishness in Ireland because everyone would be like, who gives a fuck? Like I'm Irish too. <laughs> Tell me something funny. But over yeah. here, it's kind of like, oh yeah, the Irish guy, he probably needs to talk about being Irish. Or maybe that's just baggage that I bring with me to the stage that I think, well, this is what people want to hear about. So there are things that I think I would love to write about, but I've not got round to it yet because I've been busy writing half an hour about how Irish I am. Uh, and maybe it's time to move on from that. Maybe people get it. <laughs> I love that material. I don't think you should, but yeah, oh, don't insult you. it. It's wonderful. But yeah, that is, I think that's a natural way of like, start like not starting out that sounds rude but I think people do tend to address like points of difference and it's yeah. almost like especially for hard gigs maybe you need to need to have that yeah um, yeah absolutely I mean there are definitely things like uh Chelsea I've said this on the podcast before I've said it to you before um the way you talk about mental health on stage like it's it's not just like important which obviously it is but it's it's hysterically funny and you're one of my favorite comedians, uh, largely because of how you navigate such a potentially tricky and difficult area with such amazing humor. And I really aspire to writing about my own mental health experiences with the confidence and like degree of, of hilarity that, that you do it. So that's something I would love to do. But um, Oh, Connor, that's so kind. Thank you. Oh, I'm emotional. I really mean I don't it. know why I sound really sarcastic. <laughs> but I, I think what emotional. we need is, I mean, my usual writing process, if we're being entirely honest, is Alex Farrell will say, you need to write 10 minutes of new for this gig, so do it. And then I'm like, ah, and I write something. And Alex is usually very nice and says, yeah, that's good. Do more of that. But that's so... another really cool thing about Jericho and like the the different <laughs> you run like stand up philosophy, stand up literature. Well, that's it. you'll get kind of you know like it's it's that's really cool. That prompts you to write stuff. Yeah, that you wouldn't you wouldn't usually. Yeah, it's it is a nice uh, way to kind of force yourself into writing new stuff. And Alex, you said recently, uh, I think it was when we were talking to Jacob Hawley on the podcast a few weeks ago, that when people write for those gigs they they never scrap the material afterwards it's never just for that gig is it yeah i've never known somebody to uh yeah not take that material and use it in their weekend set um about the place you know stripped down changed added to you know mm. but uh yeah yeah no it's i think that's a really cool thing about those shows yeah all that kim kardashian stuff i have was stuff i wrote for the book <laughs> this stand-up literature yeah yeah and it's, it's stayed it's a in author. yeah and it stayed in 
And it's such a great bit as well. If if you haven't seen Chelsea's Kim Kardashian material, I think like as soon as we're out of lockdown, I really want to arrange another stand-up literature show because they're so fun and like we've had some great acts do that. I mean, like Christopher Bliss came along and did the first one. He's amazing. He so Jake fun. Farrell's done it. He's so funny. Yeah. Uh, and just hearing uh, we had Ivo Graham at our gig this week at the Fishes. And uh, I don't know, Chelsea, if you've heard Ivo Graham's bit on Penguin Random House released uh, like a kind of fringe unlocked sort of audiobook 20 acts that yeah. would have been at the fringe this year. Ivo's bit on King Lear is like laugh out loud <laughs> funny. And I asked him on Tuesday night if he would consider doing it at Stand Up Literature. And he sort of gave a very polite response. I'm not sure he wants to. But <laughs> he gave a, I think <laughs> he sort of said, I don't know how it would translate into being a bit of stand up. It was something I wrote for the audiobook. But I was like, just say it. And it's funny. But I'm going to give Ivo credit and say he probably understands more about how it would work than I would. <laughs> but he was reading from his school diary as well wasn't he so that would like yeah yeah all of that stuff Ivo would be such a great act to get for stand-up literature but we'll try Alex is probably thinking to himself this isn't how we do bookings Connor we don't just put <laughs> well, it out on the I podcast hope. hope they get in touch <laughs> uh, well I I would love to continue this chat but uh, next up we gotta go to uh, a little message from our wonderful charity partner Chelsea's dear friends, Oxfordshire Mind. Chelsea, is there is there anything else you would like to add about Oxfordshire Mind before we go to a message from them? I actually do want to say about Oxfordshire Mind. I think part of what makes them so excellent is that they are like a better mental health charity and they're about like well-being. It doesn't all have to be, you know, like m medical interventions and it doesn't mean it's just for like crazy people. Like it's for everyone who might struggle with their mental health which I think is anyone and some of the stuff they do like they have a signposting service so they can just if, if you want to call them up um, they can just point you in in the right direction and you don't have to have anything come from that and recently they've set up um, it's called safe haven uh, and it's like a room you go to because because in a crisis you your option really is to go to A&E mm -hmm. um, and really horrible place to be if you're if you're having a crisis and I know this because this happened to me and I called it I called a taxi there and oh, wow. <laughs> and when I was <laughs> in the taxi he was like where are you going I was like A&E and then he said why <laughs> and I was like oh because I'm having uh, a crisis <laughs> a mental health oh, crisis no. on radio four and turned it up and he didn't ask any more stupid fucking questions <laughs> <laughs> But A and E isn't like the nicest place to spend a crisis. Um, but Safe Haven is like, <laughs> yeah. That's just I just wanted to say that about them. They are excellent. And if you want want some help or just information, and you live in Oxfordshire, then contact them. Oxford Safe Haven is open on a Friday, Saturday, Sunday and Monday evening from 6pm till 10pm. The phones are open from 5 and the last booking is at 9pm. To refer yourself to Oxford Safe Haven, just give us a call on 01865 903037. Alright Chelsea, now it's time for pressing questions. What follows 
is of little to no entertainment value from this point. I'm not here to make friends. I'm simply here to ask a series of difficult, challenging, and forthright questions. And all I need from you, Chelsea, are some honest answers. Can you do that for us? Yeah, that's what you sent me in the booking email. <laughs> <laughs> that's just the standard boilerplate Jericho booking email. Just little or no entertainment value. Are you going to do it or not? Uh, Chelsea, question one. What does the word ubiquitous mean? Loads of it. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. Probably. I think so. I ask mainly because I don't know. Someone, if someone, like, yeah, they've done loads of stuff. There's a lot you don't know. (laughs) 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 The things you don't know are ubiquitous. (laughs) That's probably wrong. Everywhere. There's loads of it. (laughs) I think Uh, that that sounds about right. Kirsty, my wife, used it in the car yesterday. Uh, She used the word ubiquitous uh, very casually in conversation. And I was just like, (laughs) yeah, so ubiquitous. But I didn't have the heart to tell her that I didn't know what she was talking about. <laughs> Chelsea, do you know any Shakespearean quotations off the top of your head? Um, no. Good answer. Alex? I actually I probably do, but I get nervous about performing. For some reason, the opening scene to Romeo and Juliet really sticks in my head. Mm-hmm. and I don't really know why. Um, the old do you bite your thumb at me? Oh, the, oh, the, the prologue. In Fair Verona is where we set our scene. Where civil hands hath made civil blood unclean. I think mean, because it's got a little joke in the front, a little joke in the top. Civil hands, double meaning on civil. It doesn't really not... translate 100 <laughs> years later, let alone a few hundred years later. We spoke Sorry, earlier he... about stand up literature and oh, my yeah. opening joke. It's, it's a sign of how different those gigs are that I can do the prologue to Romeo and Juliet. My party trick is that I can say it in under 20 seconds. It's and that's how I open stand up literature. <laughs> And yeah, it's not kind of like Saturday night. Hey, who's ready for a party? I'm going to say Romeo and Juliet. But a stand-up literature, those geeks lap it up. Well, you you shared, which is, you know, I've occasionally used at, at different gigs, is Shakespeare's got at least a couple of your mum jokes in there, right? Yeah, yeah. It was, I think, from Titus Andronicus. Yeah, uh, Shakespeare wrote one of the first, uh, what has, uh, I, I, I'm getting it wrong, but it's something to the effect of, what hast thou done, thy mother, um, <laughs> was was the kind of comeback and say, oh, shit. I think if you were doing like schools workshops, that's a great way to get them into Shakespeare. So, guys, <laughs> did you know Shakespeare has your mum jokes? Like, oh, Shakespeare's cool now. I'm Quite not in touch with children. Party trick. Oh, the, the prologue. Okay. Yeah, I wasn't expecting this, uh, but I'll, I'll give it a go. All right. Start the clock. Time starts now. Two households, both like indignity and fervor and where we lay our scene from ancient grudge to new mutiny where civil blood being civil hands unclean from forth the fatal loins of these two foes a pair of star-crossed lovers take their life who bends adventure pity over to those doth with their death bear their parents strife the fearful passage of the death not loved and the continues of their parents rage which but not ah oh no I messed it up oh my God. the car I lost control I drove off the cliff ah Anyone who's just tuned in now might think they've lent on the speed up button. (laughs) (laughs) Slow down this podcast. Now we're back to normal. Chelsea Berkby, why do you think Hollywood struggles to make quality big screen versions of popular 60s cartoons? Things like Scooby-Doo, The Flintstones. Why are those films so shit? Uh, The Scooby-Doo 
live action film was excellent, so I don't even understand no. the fashion. <laughs> the fashion was unreal. That is um, a controversial opinion. It looked like Scooby was there. <laughs> I, I, you're referring to the the 2001 film with Sarah Michelle Gellar as extraordinary. Alex Farrell, do do you agree with Chelsea Berkby that actually the the very foundations of the question are wrong? I, uh, I just remember when I was 15, I went on a date with an older woman to the cinema, and I remember thinking I was very grown up. But we went to go see the live action version of Scoop. <laughs> <laughs> In a way that you were 15 and you went on a date with an older woman. Well, you see, this is all relative. So, when I was 15, I went on a date with an 18 year old, which really did feel very, very grown wow. up. Obviously, I mean... describing an 18 year old as an older woman is <laughs> only something a 15 year old can do. <laughs> but... It certainly sounds legally questionable. No. Well, Maybe the date didn't go well enough for anything legally questionable. <laughs> Because we went to go see fucking Zooming and Scooby Doo. <laughs> mystery oh. machine about why that didn't work very well. My school and seven were going out and it was their anniversary. And then she said, let's do something romantic. And he said, yeah, let's go see Spy Kids 3. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Chelsea, describe your perfect brinner, which is, of course, breakfast for dinner. Oh. Do you know what I I really like? I like a nice crusty roll and then avocado smashed in oh, there. Oh yeah, smithereens and <laughs> halloumi and then a bit of chili and chili sauce, Thai sweet oh, chili. That That's sounds what wonderful. I like. And tea. Oh That's yes. What I like. Yeah. Oh, that's an excellent as well. Or oh, and also I've really gotten into Facon recently and Waitrose. I'm, I've I shop at Waitrose now specifically just to buy this bacon and that's it. <laughs> it's called This Isn't Bacon. And I'm big time into that. Which could be literally any product but bacon, but it's quite yeah, similar. Like it's not like they're selling a lamp, but the label says <laughs> this isn't bacon. <laughs> That's interesting. Alex Farrell, what is your uh, ideal Brinner? Uh, every time you say Brinner, it just gives me shudders of, of Bringer gigs. <laughs> <laughs> like a Brinner gig, what would it be? Some sort of like, it's bring, like a... Bring gig. some fake bacon. You've got to bring some bacon. Uh, <laughs> you have to do comics on, all doing one minute about breakfast. You have to, I don't know. Um, the most important gig of the day. Oh, should I actually want to answer? What oh, I yeah, no, I, I want an answer. Uh, I, I don't pay attention to any rules. Like, I eat whatever I want for breakfast. So <laughs> there's no way, like, whatever I cooked the night before, cold pizza, I'll have ice cream for breakfast. <gasps> uh, I'll have whatever I want. That is hedonism gone wild. Yeah, I'll, I'll do anything. I mean, part of the reason that I can do that is I'm getting up at about midday as a stand comic, and it's probably <laughs> not that many but um, uh, oh, wow. oh Kedgeri, go on then, yeah. Oh, that's a solid choice. That's yeah. a good shine. Today, I had a really embarrassing situation at work where they're doing this. Um, I work for a charity, and they're doing an online evening of summer music, and 
they've got this choir on and I thought the choir I've only seen it written down and so I asked my manager about it today and I was like can you tell me more about Chantage and he started laughing and he's like they're called Chantage but I was <laughs> so embarrassed I didn't really make fun of it because like Chantage I thought it was like early noughties like Fern Cotton like oh the choirage are gonna do some Chantage <laughs> at the vintage I really put into it and then I, I found Alex at lunchtime to tell him this embarrassing story and I was like would you, if you'd have seen that written down, would you have said chantage or what if you said chantage and you were just making like some fancy bread with some salmon on it and what what was all the other oh. fancy stuff? Oh, he was like, I can't find my capers. That is a first world problem. <laughs> That's delightful. Chantage, uh, it turns out, means blackmail as well, which is deeply confusing to name a choir. Oh. Yeah, it's not good for a charity event to have a choir on that are associated <laughs> with blackmail. I really hope that isn't a case of mistaken booking. Like we're so looking forward to your singing this evening, what singing? But we've got these incriminating photos. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Chelsea Burtby, did you win any medals as a child? Yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I was the official poet laureate of year seven, which is, a, and I've got a plaque for it, which is a role they had to create based on the sheer amount of poetry I was writing. In- <laughs> I well, can you remember the, the topic of any of these poems? Oh, they were heavy. Um, there was a lot about war, um, which I didn't understand. <laughs> And poverty, which I didn't understand. And then there was some about, do you remember those books, um, a child called It series about this child that was oh, abused? Yeah. I wrote a lot of poetry about that as well. <laughs> um, yeah. I think we've just found your set for stand-up literature when we come back. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Alex Farrell, what about you? Did, were you a medal winner? Uh, I, I won the public speaking prize. Most years at my school, I uh, won the poetry prize, but only at primary school. Lost that, apparently, as soon as I got to secondary school. (laughs) Anything I sort of got a sound off, I tended to win something. That's really sweet. Uh, And you were a young consumer of the year? (laughs) Oh, yeah, I did that. Yeah, 2004, (laughs) I was awarded national. No, actually, I only got to the finals. Uh, But I was awarded, like, a young consumer of the year prize. (laughs) It was won by... um, the oh fucking hell what was it the health and safety executive <laughs> something like that <laughs> that's pretty cool yeah well i i did this consumer <laughs> quiz as a sort of anti-capitalist protest and i kept winning it and i got yeah a, a prize which was money which i spent on myself as a good anti-capitalist <laughs> on, what about you uh I, I won some acting medals as a oh. as a child yeah Best Actor at Loretto College, Directors Festival, 1998 and 2000. And quite frankly, the result in 99, I hotly (laughs) contest it to this very day. (laughs) But I won't, I just won't bring it up. It's sour You're over it. Is it still on your CV? I'm so (laughs) fucking over it. I don't even (laughs) fucking care. Did any of us win any awards for sports? Oh, God. No. 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 Uh, Actually, I would like to revise my answer to fuck no. Um, (laughs) I think that's the only way to demonstrate how unsporty I was. And it just, it's baffling. I, I, for some reason, ended up doing a PE GCSE. I am not a sporty person. I wanted to work in musical theatre. And I applied to do 
music GCSE and the music teacher at my school said, no, because you don't play a musical instrument. And I said, but you can do singing. I'll do singing. And she said, no, you would only get a C for singing. And I kind of thought, well, that's all right. Like, I'd take that. <laughs> and then I wasn't allowed to do music, so I had to do PE. And I got a C for PE. And so <laughs> I could have just worked on singing and maybe made something of myself in music theatre. But here I am, just a professional athlete, thinking of the <laughs> career that got away. Um, Chelsea, what's the thing that you don't like that you think most people would be surprised by you not liking? Oh, that was a dramatic sound there. That was a dramatic sound. I apologize. I punched my microphone accidentally. <laughs> <laughs> it's just the rage of not making it in music theater. It's come back uh, to me. I'd, um, I'm glad this isn't on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> Floundering. What think I like I've definitely been insulted when people are like saw this and thought of you and I'm like that is disgusting (laughs) (laughs) um somebody said they thought I'd be super super into Harry Potter and I found that a bit offensive like I read it as a kid I'm not like majorly into it sure but then I don't feel like I really know myself because I didn't really identify as like a major Taylor Swift fan but then when Spotify came out with this feature uh, it told me I was in the top 3% of Taylor Swift fans worldwide. Oh, my word. Fans like Swifties, and I guess I'm one of them. That's an extraordinary revelation. Mm-hmm. I do find it a bit weird that they can tell you so much about your listening habits. It's like, this you know, year you listened to 12 hours of Damien Rice. Are you okay? <laughs> <laughs> Leave me alone, you know- Spotify. After the success of that, Monzo decided to do the same and break down like where you spend your money. And I was like, this is horrible. You don't want to know. That's more of an intervention, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, Alex Farrell, I'm going to ask you this one. What do Tiggers do best? Oh, there's there's an actual answer from the books. There is. Hmm. This is a pop culture. See, so, yeah, Alex, well, you know if someone had done stand up about it. No, I, I, <laughs> uh, my, my mum read me the, um, read to me uh, the Winnie the Pooh books. Mm. Um, do you know what? I, I, I feel like I've betrayed my childhood oh. by not. <laughs> Chelsea <laughs> Bergby, over to you. Show them how it's done. What do Tiggers do best? I bounce around. And stuff. That is correct. I <laughs> mean, Tigger Tigger doesn't say bounce around and stuff. Just bounce. Tigger's bounce. bounce. That's what they do best. And uh, the wonderful yeah. thing about Tigger is he's the only one. Absolutely. Only one. Tigger's are wonderful things. They bounce, they bounce, they bounce, they bounce. Is yeah. Tigger a he? Does it specify? Did I just do that? Mm, that's interesting. I, I think Tigger's a he. But as we all know, gender's a construct anyway. Yes. So, I'd love the bit in Winnie the Pooh where Tigger grows up to be like a moody teenager, but he still loves the bounce. He loves like <laughs> a drum and bass wobble. You know, he's always like, put a, put a donk on it. <laughs> it would make storming out of a room after an argument with your parents very difficult if you had to bounce out very jolly. Um, final question Chelsea Burkeby, do you enjoy building snowmen? Yes, I do. It's wonderful. Excellent. Uh, Alex Farrell, do you enjoy building snowmen? I tend to prefer destroying a snowman. I don't know whether that is like an acceptable answer. There's nothing Hitching I like Dr. more. Freud. 
really drop kicking a snowman in the head. It's horrible. Ideally in the view of That's children. That's what happens in Snowman 3. <laughs> <laughs> the saddest one. You know, that is a sad music. It's me coming in love, drop kicking his head off. <laughs> oh, man. I, I don't really enjoy building snowmen because your hands just get so cold. I love the idea of building snowmen. But I wish I snow was warm, I but I, I know that's not possible. Hmm. Is it possible, Alex? Just in case I've got the science wrong. Can you get warm snow? <laughs> <laughs> Buddy, come on, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just thinking. Uh, I don't. Would you know what? We, maybe we'll get a, a, a listener correction, but I'm going to go with the obvious answer, which is no. Right. Uh, listen, guys, we at Jericho Comedy, obviously, we've been having a great time over the last few weeks putting on drive-in shows and outdoor shows for our audiences. It's been really lovely seeing acts like Chelsea and I right. back on stage for the first time in four or five months, but nothing's quite like being back at our spiritual home at the Jericho Cafe in the basement with a few drinks and all of our audience packed in. So right now, grab yourself a drink, close your eyes, and imagine you're back in the basement seeing our superb guest live in action. Here she is, Chelsea Berkby, recorded live at Jericho Comedy. <laughs> Welcome to the stage. Your first act of this half is Chelsea Burkbeer! Hi. Hi everybody, nice to meet you. Hi. Who's, hi. Who's drinking? Woo! I am! <laughs> yes, I am. I was drinking red wine, but do you ever get that thing where you drink so much red wine and then it like stains like your lips and your tea? Yeah, but then I just drank loads of white wine, and now I'm absolutely fine! <laughs> I love... <the> life hack! <laughs> I just... I love drinking... I love red wine. My favourite red wine is Buckfast. Um, <laughs> somebody just smelled, oh god! <laughs> For anyone who hasn't had Buckfast, it's unusual as a red wine, because it's at 18%. What? And it's highly caffeinated. What? <laughs> More so than Monster Energy. <laughs> yeah, whose slogan is Unleash the Beast. And uh, Buckfast makes you just unleash the inner absolute fucking deep. It makes people lose their shit. <laughs> like, I've seen somebody on Buckfast kick a, kick a toilet seat into a karaoke bar full of people. <laughs> and that person was me. <laughs> and it was at my ex's 21st birthday. <laughs> Do you miss me now? <laughs> He did it. Um, <laughs> but I love I love drinking and then I love going to the club. Hey? Yeah. Yeah. I love the club. What do you love about the club? Everything. Everything. <laughs> it's a great place to meet that special any anyone. <laughs> <laughs> I love the club. I love the music they play in the club. <laughs> you know, like, I love the music they play in the club, like any of Pitbull's songs, really. <laughs> and for those of you who don't know who Pitbull is, he's also known as Mr. Worldwide. <laughs> Which is hard because he loves those bitches. 
Bitches has been reclaimed recently, especially bad bitches, which at first sounds like two negatives, but it's actually a double negative. It loops back being good, and bad bitches love nothing more than being mathematically sound. <laughs> My favourite bad bitch is Cardi B, because she's so empowered and so sexually empowered. She's like, pop that pussy in, church, pop that pussy, why you what? And I'm like, I, I don't know what that means, Cardi, but I'll try. <laughs> like just owns her body and I don't necessarily feel that connected with my body and I realized this when I was talking to my doctor about mental illness which I have surprise <laughs> surprise but you, you don't seem surprised <laughs> but this my body thing came up because my doctor is the second most handsome man I've ever seen and my and my head was like Chelsea he's here to help you and my body was like I want him to help me like really hard <laughs> Chelsea, have you had any intrusive thoughts? So I was like, well, <laughs> hey. Uh, he said, have you had any intrusive thoughts? But I was like, well, like, what, what is that? And he said, oh, it's images or ideas that come out of nowhere. <laughs> Where are they supposed to come from? <laughs> so I got a very high score. <laughs> and I ended up being diagnosed with bipolar disorder, which is what they used to call manic depression. So when they told me, I was like, typical Gemini. <laughs> and they were like, I don't think you're taking this very seriously. <laughs> but it can be quite serious, because you have periods of uh, depression where you're like, my soul is rotting and it's not good work chat. Um, <laughs> and then you have periods of mania or hypermania where you think, I am the life and soul of this party. <laughs> but everyone else thinks, did she just kick her toilet seat? Godfather's <laughs> <laughs> is really similar to mania, I would say. Because <laughs> like, similarly, when, like, when you're manic, when you have butt class, you get into really weird things. Like you might, like, for example, just for a random example, like off the top of my head, get really into Shania Twain like in a big way. <laughs> email everybody at work about her multiple times, which seemed like not only the right thing to do, but the necessary thing. But that did not impress them. No, I know, I know. Man, I feel like a bellend. But this is why, and it's a bit serious, but this is why bipolar disorder is underdiagnosed. And it's because if you're depressed, it's horrible, and you can identify that and talk to your doctor about it. Whereas if you're manic, it's hard to know like what's being a bad bitch and what's butt fast. <laughs> and that makes it hard to talk to your doctor about, because it's really difficult to be like, doctor, um, I really I really need your help because, because, I, because I am an absolute legend. <laughs> I have a real bad case of just top quality banter. And Chelsea, you're known in the comedy circuit as someone with pretty hard and fast opinions on a wide range of topics. You know, there's rarely any middle ground with you, so our next segment's called Hard Opinions. Here, I'm going to name a variety of things, and I'd like your hard opinions on them. Does that sound good? Yes, it does. Fantastic. Spoken with 
no middle ground there. It absolutely does sound good. Well, Chelsea, I would like your hard opinion on aioli. Oh, it's superb. You should all have it more. Yeah, sorry. Was that too aggressive? (laughs) (laughs) No, I think it's good. Lean into it. Uh, All right. Chelsea Berkeley, I would like your hard opinion on the novels of Charles Dickens. (laughs) <laughs> Alex is whis- Alex is helping me form an opinion. Um, <laughs> uh, really good songs, great songs. <laughs> no, I do. I, oh no, I don't really have a strong opinion on them. <gasps> I had great expectations. <laughs> <laughs> Delivered so naturally. Bunch. He wrote like he just kept signing up to write more and more books, and he was only in his twenties, and he didn't really know what was happening. In like in Oliver Twist, he didn't know what was going to happen as he kept writing the different serialized ones. And sometimes it do be like that when you're writing jokes. <laughs> <laughs> Chelsea, what's your hard opinion on New York City? Oh, okay, I prefer. Old, old York. <laughs> oh, I find it hard to form hard opinions on on the spot. I feel like I need to read, you know, do a bit of research and read a bit about it. But that's, I guess, I can see why that's not the comedic game. You, you love old York though, so much so that we're going there soon, right? Yeah, You've I got opinions it. on that. Oh, you're going to old York. I went to York, that's where I went to university, and I've not been back since I graduated because I had a stop over there once on the way to Edinburgh, and I thought, oh, I'll go and have a look, but then too many memories happened, and I just went back in the station and just waited in there. But it'll be a fun trip when we go. <laughs> that will be fun. Well, that's a hard opinion. It's It sounds like the, the subtext there is, fuck you, New York City, you're not as good as York. York. Yeah. Alex Farrow, <laughs> do you have any hard opinions about New York City? Uh, I've been once, which was which was nice. Um, nice sounds like a mild I, opinion, Alex. Ah, uh, well, I got I got a hard opinion about its comedy clubs. Um, if you go to the cellar in New York, amazing comedy club, um, you might get stopped on the door. And the doorman might say something like this: "You might go, hey, buddy, uh, I got to ask you something before you come in." And you like you go all British, you know, extra British. You're like, oh, I'm I'm, I'm terribly sorry. I, I, what seems to be the problem? Um, and it, the Dorman would say something along the lines of, hey, buddy, you got to know that before you come in, uh, it's a two drink minimum. I'm like, well, what does that mean? He's like, well, to get in here, buddy, you got to drink two drinks. Uh, I remember being like, what? I've got to drink two drinks. Like, that's the minimum. What's the maximum, mate? I'm English. <laughs> like, in this, this model is insane. <laughs> what, a, what a wild world that the New York comedy scene has where, I mean, that is, that's incredible. You got to go. It's incredible. It is that's mad. It's absolutely mad. That is a very hard opinion. Chelsea Berkby, have you got any hard opinions on seafood? No, thank you. I don't I don't want it. I don't want to oh. eat it and I don't it smells. That is a hard opinion. I have nothing but respect for it, even though I disagree with it. Uh very strongly. Alex Farrow, seafood. Seafood. Oh, it's hard to have a, it's a hard, hard, hard opinion, isn't it, on <laughs> seafood? All right, I'm we're learning a lot about this game. This is the first time we've ever played this game, and I'm beginning to see some holes with the format. <laughs> oh, no, this is an excellent game. I, I, I just improv, improv stresses me out. Um, 
but in oh, a, in a, but I'm having a nice time. I'm just. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I feel like we need to make a jingle for the game, and that needs to be in it. <laughs> it's stressful, but I'm having a nice time. <laughs> All right. Well, maybe this one's a bit easier. Both of you open to to anybody's hard opinion on Richard Branson. Virgin. all right i'm gonna give you guys one last one for a hard opinion what is your hard opinion on george foreman lean mean fat reducing grilling machines he's so proud of it he put his name on it and that's right when you're proud of something you gotta put your name on it this has been alex farrow and chelsea Berkeley. Proud of their contribution to the Jericho Comedy podcast. You've got to like and follow Jericho Comedy and Chelsea Berkby on all the social medias. I don't think the lean, mean grilling machine is mean. <laughs> so I, I had one and I had to get rid of it uh, a few years ago because I realized I was just using it to grill cheese, um, <laughs> which I believe went against the fat reducing part of it. Uh, but god damn it was a very good toasty maker i had to take i had a really similar thing where my parents gave me a toasty maker and two weeks later i had to take it back home because i was coming home during the working day to make toasties um and it's just <laughs> so used up my whole lunch break just to get home quickly make the toasty as fast as you can eat the toasty get back to work and that's not and eating a toasty quickly it. from a purely health and safety point of view that's not good I mean, that's it's akin to lava when it comes out of a toasty maker. Am I right? (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, there we go. That was the first ever game of hard opinions. And my goodness, listener, you have been treated to some of the hardest opinions on any podcast anywhere. Uh, Chelsea Burpee, before we go, how can our lovely listeners get more of the Chelsea Berkeley experience. How can we hear you, see you, read things, buy you, etc.? Follow me on Instagram at Chelsea Berkby. Don't follow at Chelsea Burke B, just the B because that was a fake me that was started up the other week. Don't Boo, follow that. fake Chelsea Burke B. They chose some nice pictures of me though, so I was kind of flattered. <laughs> um, don't do it, that's bad. Uh, yeah, Instagram, Instagram, I have a few, like on Wednesdays, I do Wednesday therapy time and share some stuff about therapy. And on Saturdays, I've been going through the Sabrina Secrets magazine. And also I have a highlight <laughs> on my main page that is Alex fixing stuff around the house, but it's set to like Benny Benassi. And uh, <laughs> I think be the first person to win an Oscar for an Instagram highlight. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm on Twitter, but I'm not very good at it. Like once I tweeted, like, good night, everyone. (laughs) (laughs) I probably got more likes than some things I've really thought about on Twitter. (laughs) So I wouldn't beat yourself up about that. And you can check out my website, www.chelseaberkby.com. Enjoy. The enjoy is not part of that. Yes. Forward slash enjoy. (laughs) Uh, www.chelseaberkby.com. And listener, I say this, I would say this if Chelsea wasn't here. It is the greatest website on the internet. You are a total loser if you don't go and visit www.chelseaberkby.com after this. It's such a great website. 
And it was designed by Chisley Borkley, whose website you can find on there. And there's some interesting <laughs> ads for some comedians you may recognize. <laughs> Absolutely. I've never seen such a futuristic website. I didn't know what the future looked like until I'd visited ChelseaBerkeley.com. Thank uh, you. I had a whole team of the finest tech wizards working on it. <laughs> Slash me when I was off work depressed. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Chelsea Brokeby, Alex Farrow, it's always so lovely to speak to you guys. Uh, I will hopefully see you at one of Jericho's lovely gigs very, very soon. It's always lovely speaking to you, and thanks, everyone. You're yes, great. Thank too. you, everyone. You're the real heroes, listeners. You're not. Chelsea and <laughs> Alex are the heroes. <laughs> thanks, guys. Speak soon. Bye. Bye. Bye well there we go that was the wonderful chelsea berkby thank you so much chelsea for taking the time to talk to us we'll be back with another episode next week with 2019 edinburgh fringe best newcomer nominee and jericho comedy favorite huge davies huge is hilarious really can't wait for you to hear us chatting to huge uh if you want to see some jericho comedy live we'll be at millet's farm in oxfordshire doing some drive-in shows from the 22nd of august Visit www.jerichocomedy.com for all the info on that. If you're enjoying the podcast, please tell your friends. Like, subscribe, rate, share, shout about, tweet about, do whatever you can to spread the word. We love doing this podcast. We really want you to enjoy it, and we would love to reach as wide an audience as possible with it. You can also check out our other podcast, Jericho Comedy, producing a podcast called The Dinner Party, where I chat to people about their dream dinner parties. It's a really fun conversation. We've had some great people on. Uh, so check that out uh, the dinner party thanks very much for tuning in to the Jericho Comedy Podcast we'll be back next week but until then have a good week and bye bye I was going to say if this is an editing moment I, I, I made a, a hilarious quip earlier that I would be the last in my family to go to university mm-hmm. I think just in case my brother and two sisters listen all of whom have gone to university and exceptionally well-educated individuals. <laughs> I was largely doing that for the joke. Um, <laughs> uh, Let's put this disclaimer at the end. Yeah, I need to put, yeah, well, I'm sure we can <laughs> cut this bit out or something like that. Anyway, I, I don't know. Yeah, Frankie, Johnny, Yana, I, lo- I love you very much. It was, anyway. <laughs>